Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Kristen Scrogans. Kristen and her husband, Jimmy, have been married for 25 years, have eight children, and lead a church together. They have written Full Circle Parenting, which is a guide for crucial conversations. Join us as she shares her wisdom on topics like marriage, sexuality, divorce, bitterness, forgiveness, restoration, technology, substance abuse, friendship, money, materialism, and generosity. We pray after tuning in, you are better equipped as a parent to have a deeper conversations with your child. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Kristen. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Rachel, thanks so much for having me. I'm honored to get to be a part. So you have been married for 25 years and are the mother of eight children and a pastor's wife. You and your husband, Jimmy, just released a new book titled Full Circle Parenting, which is a guide for crucial conversations with our children. So why do you have such a heart for children and parents just in general? Yeah, well, can I sneak in the fact that we also have two grandchildren now? We have a, a grandson that was born in November and a granddaughter in January. And so Jimmy and I have always had a heart for children and parents. We knew even before we got married, as we were talking about things that we wanted to have a large family, we didn't have a number in mind. But we just have had this sense from the beginning of just what a, what a great calling it is to be a mom and to be a dad. And I think in the midst of our society right now, it tends to get pushed to the side that not necessarily that people aren't having children, but they maybe don't understand the, the joy and the awesome privilege it is to parent. And so we just really want to encourage moms and dads to understand the calling in it and the role that we play in, in shaping our kids. You know, we're their first disciplers. And so that's, that's not a small thing and it's not, not a small task. And so we, we have a heart to, to encourage parents to understand that and to live that out. Well, so let's, let's talk about family. What do you see as God's design and purpose for family? I love that question because, you know, we talk about this a lot. We, we say, you know, when you read uh, the book of Genesis at the very beginning, that God's perfect and good plan was family. It was the husband and wife relationship, and it was the relationship between uh, mom and, and child and, and father and child. And that wasn't God's um, way of grasping for straws. Once Adam and Eve, you know, sinned, then he was like, oh, crud, now we have to make family. That was actually, that was actually part of his good and perfect plan from the beginning. And, and so that's so joyful to think of it in those terms, because this, this is his good gift to us. And when he looked at that, he said, this is good. And it was, it's part of our, our mandate to, you know, to have children. And, and then later on, we see in Deuteronomy to teach those children to know and love God. And so part of the purpose of family, I think, Rachel, is to be an outpost of the gospel, that we are you know, we said that we are, we are our children's first disciplers, but I think part of how we teach the world who God is, is, is by modeling family <clears throat> the right way. And uh, I think that's a big part of the purpose of it. 
You know, I think if for all the moms listening, I think that they would agree that the parenting is hard. It's it's not an easy role that we have. And it's not just the routines, the schedules, the discipline and the heartaches. It's the hard conversations. And I think as parents, we're just scared of getting it wrong. And sometimes we don't know where to begin. So have have you, I guess, ever been in this place? And where do you suggest that we do begin? Oh, have I been in this place? So you mentioned... You mentioned earlier that um, we have eight children, and so that's a lot of conversations that we've had. And you know, um, you know, again to reference Deuteronomy when it says that we're supposed to teach our children in the way. You know, when we wake up, when we lie down at night, and really, there's no time uh, that is exempt from us teaching them. And but those verses before it are what get us as mom and dad because. It says first that we are to love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then teach our kids. And so the place to start really is a personal relationship with him and not just a one salvation experience, right? But that we are, we are being discipled um, by the Holy Spirit through the scriptures. And, and as we do that, so now we are able to disciple our kids out of the overflow of what God is already doing in our life. And so when we are walking in the spirit, we are a lot more in tuned of noticing the conversations that need to happen and being prepared when they kind of hit us in the face. You know, we, we say that there's some conversations we know we're going to have to have as parents, even if we don't want to have them. So, you know, the birds and the bees conversation, it's coming, mom and dad, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Do about it. And so we know some of these things are going to happen, but you're right, Rachel, there's some conversations that just knock us between the eyes and we maybe feel like we're not ready. Sometimes we do feel paralyzed. I, I have, I have felt par paralysis come over me, um, worried to death. I was going to say the wrong thing. And then I just remembered, um, you know, God has called me to this task as a mom and anything he calls me to do, I know I can do well because of him. So I did a little bit of math. And so I, I decided, you know, 365 days times 18, we'll, we'll have more years with our kids, hopefully than 18, but just under our roof, that's 6,570 days. So we, we say that, you know, um, the days are long, but the years are short. And that's, that, that is so, so true, but that's a lot of days, right? And that's a lot of opportunities to have conversations with our kids. And so my encouragement to mom and dad would just be, we don't have to unpack every facet of every conversation all at one time. And so there's some conversations that we're gonna just start opening our kids up to little by little, just little snippets of you know information. They're not ready to digest everything all at once. But as long as we continually point them to God's design and his goodness and his purposes, even from a very young age, their hearts are going to start to be ready to hear things that maybe as they get older are a little more dicey and a, a little more difficult. You know, when, when you have an, um, a toddler and you start teaching them their shapes and their colors and their alphabet, they don't understand all of that the first time you say it. But that's okay. We know that. We know that they figure it out later on. And I think that's true with some of these deeper theological truths, these hard conversations that you're going to have. They may not get it the first time you say it, 
but that's okay because you have 6,500 <laughs> about these things and even beyond that. And so it's, it's okay if they're maybe not ready to receive it all at first, or you don't feel equipped. We have, we have time to, to get educated, to, to process things and to, to have these conversations in a loving way. Yeah, and it, it makes me think that even, you know, God gives us our daily bread. And, you know, sometimes we start off with like we have the milk and then we're ready for the meat eventually. And it makes me think about our children in the same way. And we do have time. So thank you for giving this. I've never done the math on that. That was um, a new epiphany uh, for me. But I, something that I love so much is that you and your husband, Jimmy, that you approach these tough conversations from such a biblical perspective and a distinctly Christian worldview. And so I think it's so important for us to be in God's word, like you mentioned, to feel equipped to have the knowledge to impart to our children. So I'm interested to hear, did, did you grow up this way and how was this instilled in you? So I when um, I began a relationship with Jesus when I was 10 years old. Before that, my family did not know Christ. Um, my mom would take me to church. We've been every denomination you can imagine. Um, and we, my mom was just really searching. And because of that, so was I. My dad um, was uh, not a believer. He was an alcoholic. He would not go to church with us. And so I, I um, was invited to a revival service when I was 10 years old, came to know the Lord. And two weeks later, my dad got saved and then my mom became a believer. And so from that time, I grew up in a Christian home. And so we kind of were all discipled together through our, through our home church. And so that, um, those experiences in my elementary years was when I learned to love God's word. And when I learned, um, you know, how to memorize his word. And so I'm so grateful for a church family, which is really important because my parents didn't have the equipment at first to teach me those things. And so we kind of grew up together in the faith and, um, you know, my parents definitely discipled me. I don't mean that, but we were discipled together through our church family. And so because of that, um, you know, the Lord grew me up in him. And, and so, yeah, that's the place that I come from with all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is such a constant because so often, you know, sometimes we'll have conversations with our kids and I honestly don't know the answer. You know, I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's, I don't know. So let's, let's research this. Let's get into the word. Let's talk to some other people that are a few steps ahead of us because, um, yeah, I, I don't always know. And that gives me such more compassion for my parents, maybe not always knowing um, as well. We're kind of just doing the best that we can, right? <laughs> to give each other some grace. But I think that's why I'm so, um, I'm so glad that you all have written this because you are maybe a step ahead of some of us in this motherhood journey. And so in your book, you use the three circles gospel tool as the basis for every conversation. So would you explain this tool for us? Sure, I'd love to. You know, this, this uh, Free Circles Gospel, Rachel, was actually originally designed because um, it was a way for us to help our premarital counseling classes because we came from the Bible Belt. Uh, Jimmy, you know, got his PhD from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. And so when we did premarital counseling there, we weren't starting at zero. Those people had already, they already knew the Bible. Some of them may not have been believers and we were able to lead them to the Lord, but they had some biblical knowledge. So we find ourselves here in South Florida doing a first step premarital counseling class. And we started throwing 
you know, Bible, Bibleology around and, and they didn't know what we were talking about. And so we realized we have to back up. How are we going to talk to them about this, these relationships? And so Jimmy, um, you know, <clears throat> through the leading of the Holy Spirit developed this three circles approach. And so the three circles are um, that you start with God's design and what his original intent it, it was for, for the earth. And, and we talked about that a little bit already in Genesis. And then that because of sin entering into the world, now people find themselves in a place of brokenness and, um, you know, you're, you're, you've deviated from God's design. And when you find yourself in brokenness, you start trying to fix it in all kinds of ways. And we see that, you know, through in our society, so rampantly through alcoholism, you know, substance abuse, um, pornography. And so the, the, the more broken you feel, the more you try to reach out and fix it. But the only way really to fix that brokenness is to repent, to you know, change your mind about your sin and to believe in the gospel. And when we do that, when we believe that you know, Jesus died and he was buried and he rose again on the third day, and that that power of that truth, when we accept that, that changes our life. And then we're able to recover and pursue God's design from wherever we are. It doesn't mean everything's going to go back to normal because that's impossible on this earth, but that we can begin to recover and pursue God's design for us. And that's true for salvation. But what we realized, Rachel, is that that's true in every parenting scenario, no matter what sin and brokenness our kids find themselves in, no matter what, that if they will repent and believe in the gospel, that God will get them back on track. And so we know that, you know, that, that salvation is a, is, a, is a moment in time, but then we're always being sanctified. And so this sanctification process just keeps going on and on. I wish that I got saved as a 10-year-old and never had to struggle with sin, but that has just not been true for me or anyone else, right? And so just this idea of God's design um, can be, grasped for his kids even when we get off track if we'll just continue to repent and believe and that he just stays in the game with his people and that has been so transformational for us in speaking to our kids and in thinking about our children the right way it's caused us not to be in despair if we ever find out our kids are really struggling with something or that they've been exposed to something because we know God's going to stay in the game with them oh and I'm so thankful that he stays in the game with all of us right well, so with this grid in mind, you actually you approach six main topics. And so I'd love to briefly discuss each one. So let's start with, these are all such big topics. So thank you for just being so open and honest with us and um, giving us your wisdom. So the first topic is marriage, sexuality, and divorce. So what's the main takeaway that you'd give parents on having conversations on these subjects? Yeah, so, you know, it, my encouragement to parents is that from a very, very young age, uh, you know, I'm talking, you know, toddlers and, and three-year-olds even, that we always, anytime we're talking about boy-girl relationship, anytime any dating or marriage or boy-girl stuff comes up, that we're always continually pointing them back to God's design. You know, somehow I think parents these days, even Christian parents are really concerned to just completely go all in and embrace God's design, especially in this area, because it feels like the world is changing the rules all the time. And so it almost, we, we tend to uh, 
feel unloving if we give God's design as this because, gosh, you're, you feel like you're alienating so many people that aren't embracing it. And yet the most loving thing we can do for our children and for the world is to point God's design out for them. Um, and, and so this is a big topic. You know, we, the rules change. You know, there's different letters that are added. It feels like every day, and we don't even know what half of them mean. But, um, but that God's design is good and perfect, and he created man and he created woman. And that, that those, you know, a man and a woman is to be joined together. And it's not wrong to tell our kids that. It's actually wrong not to. Now, we have to deliver that in love because there's going to be examples all around. You know, when, when you and I even were, were growing up, you're, you're much younger than me. I can tell I can see you, so I know that you're much younger. <laughs> but the game has changed even since we were being taught. And so when our mom and dad taught us those things, that was kind of a no-brainer. We understood that, and we saw every once in a while an outlier. But that was the normal. And that's just not true anymore. And so, so the hard part for parents is, gosh, if I tell them God's design, they're going to see all this other stuff going around. And then I'm going to have to have harder conversations because uh, now they're going to say, well, what about this person or what about that person? And so it's important to deliver all of it in love. And yet it has to be delivered that it's not loving if we don't tell the truth. Hmm. Yeah, truth in love. Yeah. And something else that you talk about is bitterness, forgiveness, and restoration. So would you go a little bit deeper into to these topics? Gosh, that's such a huge one. I tell you, it, this one gets tricky as parents because I think about, you know, when someone wrongs me, I can tend to be okay with that. And, you know, you know, I'm, I've been a believer for a long time and the Lord's worked in my heart a lot in those ways. And so okay, if you wrong me, I, I understand, I need to forgive. But when you see someone hurt your child, man, now my, uh, you know, spiritual immaturity can come out real quick. Mama bear. I'm, I'm, I'm a pleaser and I'm non-confrontational. So my stuff doesn't tend to come out outwardly, but in my heart, in my heart, I can struggle. And so, so part of teaching our kids the right way to think about forgiveness and bitterness is to, to check our own spirits and to realize, you know, um, people are complex. And can we talk about that for just a second? Because I think that's really important is just helping our kids understand that they are complex and that people in general are complex. And what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes it's so easy to see our kids doing great things and we're so proud of them. And then you notice that they may have a besetting sin in their life that they've been covering up. And then you panic as a parent and think, oh my gosh, maybe they're a fake. Maybe nothing that they have done that seems good is actually good in them. Maybe they're just all fakes. And what we realize as parents is that's not true, that, that they're made in the image of God and they have God's handprint on them. And, uh, you know, common grace tells us that, that even, you know, even non-believers can have an exp you know, expression of God in their lives too. And so just because we know of the setting sins in people's lives does not negate all of the goodness of God in them. And so part of our job as parents is to, to point out the complexity of our kids. Like this sin that you find yourself in is not who you are. It's what you are doing, but who you are is uh, made and you are made in the image of God. And if they're believers, they're children of his. Well, that's transformational for them to understand about themselves but that's also transformational in the way that they think of other people. And so 
when they understand that truth, it really does help them to get on a path to be able to forgive when they've been wronged. But I think the biggest way that, that we teach them how to do that as parents is by them watching us forgive. So the way that we speak to our spouse when, you know, you know, we talk about how a man center and a woman center get together and create a bunch of little centers. And so if you're in a family, you see each other sitting all over everybody. And so, you know, they may see dad speak harshly to mom sometime. They may see mom give dad the cold shoulder. Our kids are noticing all of that. And so the way that they watch us ask for forgiveness and forgive each other, especially our spouses, it really begins to show them what that looks like and why that's important. And then I know for me as a mom, maybe no other mom listening to this has ever had to do this, but I've had to ask for forgiveness for my, from my children multiple times. I mean, I have eight kids, Rachel, I've been doing this for 25 years. It's a lot of asking for forgiveness. <laughs> but even those times, I know I've shown my children the, the need to humble myself and ask for forgiveness. And I do think it helps them to, to be better forgivers and to be able to humble themselves and ask for forgiveness when necessary. And so the problem with parenting is it all comes down to our personal relationships with the Lord and with others. I think that really is the biggest way that we show our kids what it looks like to know and love God is to walk with him ourselves and to be vulnerable when we fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're modeling it, it daily. And I think technology is something that has made parenting even more complicated for us. It's just inundated our culture and it exasperates, I think, so many other issues. So how have you handled technology in your own home and how do you recommend we handle it in our homes? Yeah, so if and I would tend to just throw it all out, like no technology. Let's just pretend oh, it, right? Right. Uh, but that's just not reasonable. And, you know, there really are great things about it. I, I have two married sons. Neither one of them live in our in our area. And so we've been able to FaceTime with them with our sweet grandchildren. So that's a great gift of technology. I can order stuff at the drop of the hat without <laughs> having to leave my home. What a great thing. Um, you know, I can I can keep up with people and encourage people. Um, we can share the gospel through, through these uh, tools. And so, so I, I know that, you know, it would be easier for me to not have it. And yet there are some gifts and I want to acknowledge that. And yet, man, what a pervasive difficulty this, you are right, that it has created with parents because um, the things that our kids used to have to work really hard to, to, to find are just there at the drop of a hat. And even if we as parents decide that we're not going to allow our own kids to have their devices, and Jimmy and I have, we feel like we are from Mars because we have really been strict about the, the timing. Like we, we really try not to let our, our kids have that until they're much older. And yet they have friends and they go to school or, you know, have experiences and even, you know, church or whatever. And so, um, and there's something within all of us that that wants, you know, you know, God says as, as our, our much how wonderful our kids are that, you know, our all of our hearts are wicked apart from him. And so there's this sinfulness that wells up within us. And for it for you to have, um, you know, this desire and these opportunities so compatible, it really creates some difficulty. And so, you know, as best we can, we try to limit it. And, um, you know, we haven't let our kids have phones until they're a lot older. You know, we, 
we talk about this in the book, just practical things you can do, like not um, allowing them to have have this these devices in their rooms, you know, that it has to be family space. Um, still really so much of it boils down to their heart. And, and it is our job absolutely as parents to protect them the best we can in this area. And yet we also have to acknowledge that, um, that they're probably gonna at some point see some things that, that are detrimental to them. So we have to have this relationship with them where they feel like they can come to us um, and talk to us. And I think in terms of technology, instead of thinking about it as like a dragon that can be slayed, that we have to think about it in more in terms of management, because there's going to be a time when our kids are not under our roof anymore. You know, those 6,000 and somewhat days are going to come to an end and they're going to be directly responsible to the Lord for what they look at and what they do. And so we have to teach them this idea of management that, you know, if you, if you stumble and fall in this area, you are not permanently and irrevocably done for that you can, you know, repent in this area and come back to know the Lord and get back on track. And I do think that management is really, really important for them to understand, to remind them that God stays in the game with them and to, to, to portray all of this as, you know, Technology can be a gift and we have to, we have to steward it well. I d it does make me sad when I see a, like little, little children, like with their own devices and just retreating to that. You know, sometimes we'll go out to dinner and I'll look over at the table next to me and families are not talking. They're just all on their phones. And I just think we're wasting a lot of our days with our kids because we're allowing them to retreat to these devices and not having these conversations with them because it's just easier to let them do their own thing. And I would just really encourage parents to reject that. And as much as you can put those things down when you're together and have real conversations with our kids. That was a long answer, I'm so sorry. No, it's such a good answer. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about how so many of the things, everything we're talking about that our kids are battling are the same things we're battling. I mean, it, it, it is. I mean, we're. I, I struggle with technology. I struggle with forgiveness and bitterness. And and then, you know, there's and even the, so the next topic is alcohol and substance abuse. And this is something that so many adults struggle with. And it's a and it's what our kids are going to struggle with. So I'd love to hear your wisdom on how do we how do we navigate <laughs> these substances? Oh, I know, right? It's it it makes you long for for the Lord, you know, and that you realize the the need for Jesus in all of this, in our own lives, in our kids' lives. And I think we fall into despair when we feel like all of this is on us as mom and dad. And what we have to remind ourselves is we do have a mandate from the Lord to disciple our kids, and yet we do not have a mandate to do it alone. And so God has given us his wisdom and his word and his Holy Spirit, and he's given us a church family that hopefully hopefully we're, we're plugged into to link arms together and to encourage each other in this parenting journey and in, in our own spiritual life, because you're so right. Uh, the things that sometimes we get most upset with our kids about, if we're truthful, it's probably the things that are in our life that that we're mad about it because we see that it exposes some things in us. Right. But the substance abuse and alcohol is a tricky one because, you know, even even Christians are all over the map with this. And so 
Jimmy and I have decided, like, so let me tell you this. So my background uh, growing up in a Christian school, an independent Baptist school, and so I was taught that in the Bible, um, that when they talked about wine, it was really grape juice. And <laughs> I would like for that to be true because it would just make things a whole lot it easier. Would. Yeah. It was just Welch's. But the Bible doesn't really say that. And, you know, it even speaks favorably in some context about, you know, I mean, Jesus turned water into wine and, you know, it talks about celebration. And so we just decided in our parenting, we weren't, we weren't going to make the scriptures say more than they say about it. And so it doesn't say in the Bible that it's a sin to drink. It just, it doesn't, it does say that it's a sin to get drunk. And we're very clear about that. And it also talks about how, you know, leadership should be careful about it. You know, in the Proverbs, it talks about how the king should stay away from it because it distorts their judgment. And so we talk to our kids in truth about what the Bible has to say because they're not dumb, right? Eventually, they're going to read those verses and be like, wait a minute, that's not well just grape juice. And so we want to be honest. And yet we also want to speak from experience too. And so, you know, personally, Jimmy and I are teetotalers we don't we don't drink that's that's our choice and we've told our kids why and at particular both sides of our family has um you know alcoholism in it and god has saved a lot of people out of it and yet it's still a you know pervasive thing we have addictive personalities in the scroggins home we just do and we talk about that very openly in our book and so we've just decided for us you know others may but we may not because it's just not the best for our family. And so we've challenged our kids to, you know, carry that on as well. But we also give our kids the freedom, you know, we have married kids. And at this point, they have chosen to not drink as well. And I'm grateful for that. And yet, you know, adults get to make adult decisions. And so I don't ever want them to, you know, feel like they have to hide something if they make a different decision about it. But we're very honest with our kids about, um, the dangers of alcohol and then obviously of, of, you know, of other substances as well. And what we are trying to tell our kids is, Hey, just because you can, doesn't mean that it's beneficial or helpful. You know, in South Florida in particular, we have a huge recovery um, population here. We're the recovery capital of the world. And so, you know, just for sake too, of not, not having, um, not helping other people stumble in this. It's just, it's just better for us to not partake. And, um, you know, we do have examples in the book of like, hey, how do you talk to your kids about this? How do you teach them the importance of, of the principles of, you know, abstaining? Um, and, and anyway, you know, to follow the law, right? Because in our country right now, until, you know, until you're 21, it's illegal. And so to respect those things, um, and then we also give them conversations, you know, some proactive things about, hey, if you get in a certain situation and you are uncomfortable or you see that some, you know, that people are drinking and, you know, doing drugs and you didn't even know that was going to happen, how can we exit out of that without you feeling like the biggest nerd on the planet, you know? And so, um, and so we do give some practical things in the book of how to, how to help our kids think through that and to be proactive about it. Well, I love I love how practical you are because it, you are making it seem very doable um, for us as as parents. And I think um, last but not least is the topic of of friendship and mean kids, which is something you know. There's there's even mean adults, and we struggle with oh, friendships oh, even yeah. as as women at our ages. You know, so what? How do we navigate this, and how do we help our kids navigate it as well? 
So, so friendship is super important and, and there's scriptures all throughout the Bible talking about the importance of that. And we see, we see deep friendships in the Bible, you know, with Jonathan and David and Jesus and his disciples and how important these relationships are. And so we talk about that in the book, what a gift friendship is. And one of the things that we do in that chapter is you know, we talk a lot about sibling relationships because that really is your first friends. You know, if you have more than one child, then, then you've kind of got built-in friends in your family. And so we talk about how to love and nurture that. Um, and we do give some, some practical steps on that. We just, we decided, you know, we've got eight, we want them to be best friends. And, you know, you have shared experiences with your siblings that you really don't have with everybody else. We talk about how to teach your kids, how to cover over others' weaknesses. I think that's a key to being a good friend. And when we say that, we don't mean to pretend like the weaknesses aren't there. It's obvious when things are wrong in a relationship, but we, we, we talk about how to teach our kids not to make much of other people's struggles or um, shortcomings and how to really develop a sense of team with each other in your home and then a sense of team with, with your friends. You know, we talk about how to choose the right kind of friends and how to be the right kind of friend. And then we do address mean kids. And I'm, I'm afraid that's where we're gonna, probably going to get the most emails and pushback because <laughs> we do talk about standing up to bullies. And, and the fact is they are just going to be in our lives. And so how do we, how do we navigate that? But, and, the and also another sad truth is sometimes maybe our kids are the mean kids. And so, <laughs> and so how, do you, how do you deal with that? And how do you address that in their hearts? Um, friendship is huge because it is all the time, everywhere, no matter what season of life that we're in. And so how do we be good friends? And really, again, it goes back to, to them seeing mom and dad model that kind of, you know, loyal friendship with each other, with people outside of, um, you know, of our homes and, and where God really gives us some of our deepest friendships is within the church. And so we, we do talk about in the book about how the need to not, not neglect the assembling together. And I think during COVID, man, that's been so hard because we have had to in a certain, in a sense, but, but as things start to open up, we just encourage people to really get back with their church family because God knew that we needed to not, you know, to have these relationships, to be encouraged, to encourage others and to, to love on one another and really link arms together and, and, and walk through this, this Christian life with like-minded believers. I, I, I love how you have included the gospel in every ounce of this and that how important that is. And you actually have found ways to talk about the, God, the gospel amidst our everyday lives. And you and your husband actually co-authored a book based on this. Is that right? Oh, so, uh, yeah, turning everyday conversations into yes. gospel conversations. Yeah, yes. I, so I didn't actually pin any of that. You know, we talked about it together, but he did that with a with another pastor friend. But yes, and, um, you know, it the gospel is transformational. I mean, it doesn't just have to do with our eternity, although that's huge, but the gospel the gospel and understanding the truth of the gospel transforms how we walk day in and day out and how we live our lives in every area. There's not a conversation. There's not a situation that the gospel doesn't apply to. And that's really important for us to know and for us to teach our kids. 
Yeah. Well, my pastor, um, actually, he did a sermon series called Upstream, and he talked about how often we deal with problems downstream and why we need to kind of get to the root of the issue and what's going on upstream. And so I think that that's why I appreciate your book so much, because I really do believe that this could change the trajectory of future generations if we do this full circle parenting method that you've been talking about. So how have you seen this model work within your own home? So I tell you, we, we, we have such joy being together with our family and we have such joy sitting around the table and talking through these gospel conversations with our kids. And one of the things that I do enjoy seeing, you know, now we have older kids with a little bit different perspective and I enjoy the fact that our kids will talk to us. And I'm grateful for that. And I, I do think being proactive in a lot of these things are really important. Um, and, and always putting the gospel before them. And what we forget about, about the gospel sometimes is that, that, you know, we talk a lot about how we, we have to share hard truths with our kids. That's God's design. And the, the truth is some of that is difficult. You know, holy living is not easy living. And yet we, we get nervous as parents because we think, well, if we, if we talk about that, they're not going to feel like they can come to us because they're not going to feel, they're going to feel judged and alone and feel like they have to hide. But what we've figured out as parents is it's not God's design that causes them to want to respond in that way. It's one, the sin that we find in our lives, you know, even, you know, Adam and Eve, I mean, God did all of this perfectly, right? So this wasn't his parenting mishap that caused <laughs> Adam and Eve to sin. So it was their personal sin that caused them to feel guilt and shame. And so that's true for our kids. But also part of our job as parents is to talk to them about the redemptive, the redemptive aspect of the gospel. And sometimes we get that wrong. We talk so much about the rules and the importance of it. And all of that is true. But if we forget to talk about the redemption that happens after they sin and struggle, because, you know, the Bible says sin not, and then it says but when you sin, so you're, you know, it, we're expected not to, and yet, and yet we're going to, and so how do we respond? And so we have to always display that redemptive aspect to our kids because their sin is going to make them want to retreat and hide enough. And so we can't, as parents, cause them to, to want to do that more by the way that we respond to them. And so, so the gospel allows me to see uh, that I must accept uh, God's forgiveness and redemption for myself, and then I must display that for my kids. And the truth is, you know, we've said at the beginning that God always stays in the game with his people, that there's always a way back. And that's my job as their mom, is to stay in the game with my kids no matter what, and to show them that there's always a way back. And so as we sought to do that well as parents, we really do see that our kids have begun to believe that we are with them, that we're not against them, that we're for them, that we're with them no matter what, that we're cheering them on, and that when they stumble and fall, we're going to be there to speak truth, and yet we're also going to be there to, to help move them along to, you know, to repent and, and, and forgive and to be restored. Mm, I love that, and what a great ending point to this conversation because that is how God parents 
us and he never is going to leave us where we are um, and just continuing to offer that same redemption and restoration and grace to our children that's that's so beautiful thank you so much for sharing that um, but so based on today's conversation how do you think that we can as parents be love offerings well, without being redundant, I, I think part of the way that we're, we're love offerings is by doing exactly what we just talked about, by staying in the game with our kids, by showing them what it looks like to know and love God and, you know, encouraging them in that way. And just no matter what, that we, we love them, we cheer them on. And also as a mom that we, we show them how grateful and joyful we are in that role that we find ourselves in. And, um, and I think those two things are, are really important. Well, Kristen, I know that listeners are going to want to stay in contact with you after today's conversation, you and your husband, Jimmy, both. So how can we best do that? Oh, thanks so much. Sure. So um, they can find, uh, you know, we have a little podcast too, they're called the mom village and they can find that at the family church network. And also if they want to know any more about our full circle parenting book, there's actually a website through BNH publishing called full circle parenting book.com. And there's a link they can push and, um, to get, to get that. I, um, it's being released on April 20th. They can pre-order, but it, um, they can get it through that site or through Amazon or anywhere else. And, we're just grateful to have this opportunity. I'm so honored to be with you because I love what you're doing through your podcast and just the encouragement you are to moms to, to do this well. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and for you just encouraging us to, um, as mothers and as parents in general, just to have these difficult conversations with our children because it really is so important. So God bless you. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Kristen Scrogans. We hope that through this episode, you feel better equipped to have these crucial conversations with your children. Our love offering this week is to stay in the game. Kristen says that God stays in the game with us and we as mothers need to stay in the game with our children. If you're interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. I'd love to connect with you there. I'd also love to connect with you over on the love offering Facebook community. There each week, we just discuss the podcast episodes, the blog series, and we encourage one another to live faithfully and love fully. If you have not yet subscribed, rated, and reviewed the Love Offering podcast, I'd so appreciate if you would take the time to do that, just so more women can find this Love Offering message. All of this information can be found at rachelkadams.com. There you can subscribe to receive this weekly Love Offering newsletter. Next week, my guest is Rachel Wade. Rachel and I are talking about cultivating and creating community. But until then, we hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love.